0: Let's draw our attention to 2 Chronicles 17 this morning, and it is a conscious effort to give our attention to God's Word anytime it is in front of us because of how our minds wander. The songs that we sung this morning all point to the same theme, and that's the theme really that runs throughout our message today. It's a theme of faithfulness, faithfulness that will bring us all the way into God's presence one day in eternity. People usually become famous for doing something astounding like taking over the known world by age 30 no less. So most of you have about 8 to 12 years yet to to make your splash so you better get busy. Uh, Perhaps conquering all of Europe like Napoleon did or freeing a continent and becoming its first president. But have you ever noticed that anonymity and mundaneness is a lot harder to bear? Most of us aren't that exceptional. We live fairly ordinary lives, and our world around us is pressing us to try to make something of ourselves not in fact, that is, in an underlying, core, essential way. But our world is pressing us to blend our identity and value with popularity. That is, if our peers cheer us, if we have enough followers in social media or we get enough likes, then we're somebody. And if not, does that make us nobodies? The world encourages you to believe that without fame, life is not noteworthy. That without making a name for yourself, what's the point in being? And the quest for a distinguished identity can warp our thinking to the, to the fact that we fail to value our identity in God. Our text reminds us today that the life of believers is often incredibly ordinary. Let's look at the life of Jehoshaphat, fourth king of Judah, and see this from God's Word. 2 Chronicles 17, beginning in verse 1. And Jehoshaphat, that is Asa's son, reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore, the Lord God established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presence, and he had riches and honor in abundance, and his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Also, in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes, even to Ben-Hael and Obadiah and to Zechariah and to Nathaniel and to Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them, he sent Levites, even Shemaiah and Nethaniah and Zebediah and Asahel and Shemiramoth and Jehonathan and Adonijah and Tobijah and Tobadonijah, Levites, and with them, Elishama and Jehoram priests. And they taught in Judah, and had the book of the law of the Lord with them, and went about through all the cities of Judah, and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute silver. And the Arabians brought in flocks 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store, and he had much business in the cities of Judah. And the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. What are we to make of that? Do you ever read texts such as the one that we just read and and think, Lord, with all the things you could have recorded, all the ideas that you could have set down, particularly As God Himself looks through the pages of history, of our time, and recognizes that there would be people in the 21st century sitting here who are children of God, hearing His Word, and we're supposed to believe 2 Timothy 3, which reminds us that all Scripture is God-breathed and all of it is profitable for doctrine, all of it ought to be reproving our hearts and teaching us what is right and causing us to go in that way. But history? What is going on in a text like this that lays claim to our hearts? When we were younger, we often imagined that we would be the hero of some kind of story. I, I can only speak as a guy. But as guys, we, we envisioned ourselves fast roping onto the prow of a ship to snatch somebody else from, from that prow right before the ship went under. Or perhaps we were fighting a four or five alarm fire and rescuing a child just before the building was completely consumed. As we got older, our hopes changed. Some of our dreams changed. Some of the things that we think are great and are worth achieving in life have altered a little bit. Now you may envision yourself negotiating a vital contract that propels not only your own career forward incredibly quickly, but also propels your company forward, and you are renowned within the company from that point on. Or perhaps you're going to win a monumental court case or invent a new surgical procedure that enshrines your name alongside that of Galen, Blackwell, and McCoy. Wait, how'd he get in there? The reality for most of us is much more prosaic. We may be productive accountants. We may be productive scientists, productive nurses, computer programmers, educators. But well known? Probably not. Are we going to be renowned in our field? Not likely. We may be graph, graphic designers and lab workers and so many other things, but we're always questing after something that will emblazon our name in the lights. But our text in Chronicles today shows something about our God and about ourselves that's vital to living. And it teaches us that since the Lord remembers and rewards the righteous, this is the theme. God remembers and rewards the righteous. So you choose to commit yourself to the ordinary life of faith. What do you know about Jehoshaphat? Is he one of the great kings of Israel or Judah? What did he do that was significant? He's not like David, who is a powerful soldier, a man renowned in his own right, who could kill giants but then also go out to battle and lead an army, himself personally slaying his enemies and adversaries, a man who was so resourceful and so adept at adapting to difficult situations that he could flee from an entire army of Saul and escape it in the wilderness repeatedly. He's not like Solomon. Solomon, renowned for his wisdom, for his might, for his power, extending the kingdom of Judah and Israel to its furthest extent of any of the kings. What do we know about Jehoshaphat? Well, did he fight any great battles and he was a great strategist? Uh, No, not exactly. In fact, we only know of one battle that he won and several that he would have lost, but for God's intervention. And even the battle that he won was entirely up to God. In in fact, he led his army out into a desert. Brilliant strategist and and, uh, logistics operations manager that he was. Led his army out into a desert and almost got them killed through dehydration. Not really a notable figure. And even our text shows that he's not that notable. What nations did he conquer? None. What cities and monuments did he build? None. Well, what did he do? He lived an ordinary life of faith. And God chose to remember and reward him in unusual ways. see, 2 Chronicles, this book that we're just reading, we're reading one chapter from or a portion of that chapter, is 36 chapters long. It's going to cover 20 different kings and one queen of Judah and Israel. The queen is Athaliah. Yet God devotes four chapters to Jehoshaphat. That must be important. The first two verses of our text show Jehoshaphat doing what every king ought to do. He's strengthening his own nation against invasion, and that's nothing special. He's just doing what kings do. If we had been in his position, we would do the same kinds of things. It's conventional. But where we see ordinariness and boredom, God sees opportunity. An opportunity for faithfulness or for unfaithfulness. Let's observe how the Lord remembers and rewards the righteousness Of an ordinary life of faith. To begin with, our passage shows us that ordinary people of faith follow an extraordinary God. And root this in your thinking you will amount to nothing unless you follow an extraordinary God. Oh, you may accumulate vast tracts of wealth, but you will amount to nothing. You see, we have some interesting other details in Scripture, one of which is, just before Jehoshaphat comes to power, another king came to power in the northern kingdom, that is Israel, and his name was Omri. Omri was renowned in the world. In fact, we found inscriptions, including the Mesha Stella from Moab, that has the Omri dynasty written on it. Omri conquered surrounding nations. Omri expanded his empire. Omri is well known, and God... Blows him off as utterly insignificant. Omri is only mentioned, really, in 16 short verses, and most of those verses are simply to say Omri is a general, and then Omri came to power, Omri did that which was wicked in the eyes of the Lord, and God destroyed him, removed him. His life passed on, and he was meaningless. Jehoshaphat, on the the flip side, seems to do nothing significant, and God holds him up for us to look at and turns his life around for us to observe and says, now this is a man worth remembering. For what? For simplicity and ordinariness of faith following an extraordinary God. Well, what do we have to do to follow an extraordinary God? Do we have to be great people? Do we have to donate a certain amount to his kingdom? No, the passage tells us what it looks like. Ordinary people of of faith follow an extraordinary God by walking in his ways. By walking in his ways. That's the ultimate reason for any kind of success in this world. And that word walk gives us a great picture of the way a person conducts his life. Walking is super ordinary. Can you even remember walking over here? You kind of arrived at the FMA... You clearly came from a class, your dorm room, your car in the parking garage or somewhere else, but we didn't take each step and think, wow, that was not a monumental step. Look at me as I stroll across in front of Rodehaver. This is awesome, walking. Well, walking is ordinary, super ordinary. It's the normal process of life. So it's the kind or the characteristic of walk that matters the most. And the Scriptures tell us here in verse 3, he walked in the ways of his father David. And then in verse 4, he walked in God's commandments. So this is a fascinating detail about life. God does not ask us to accomplish great things. He doesn't set out there a, a bridge too far for us to achieve a trophy that's just out of reach, a grand thing that only a few select servants ever attain. Instead, he lays in front of us a simple commission. Walk. Walk in my ways. Day by day, make the kind of choices that align yourself with God's Word, that submit to His authority, that show that you love Him, that you actually believe Him. That the Christian life that you're living is not some sort of sham or fraud where in actuality you find something else more entertaining and interesting than God. You find something else more uh, worthy of your attention and your time and your, or your energies than Him. But no, you walk in His ways. And everyone can walk faithfully with the Lord. That's the beauty of something as simple as walking. Everyone can walk with the Lord. Not just the great men and women of time past, but you as well. Next, the passage says that we are to seek the person of God. Jehoshaphat sought the God of his father. He sought the God of his father. Quite a few Christians say that they believe in God but can't seem to obey him. And I don't mean the usual lapses of our fallen condition that we're all prone to. But they really have no interest in seeking God for themselves and in doing his way. Well, what is God's response to the mundaneness of walking and seeking? Verse 5a and b, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, which is protection and stability. Look at this. Jehoshaphat had no ability to provide protection and stability for his own kingdom because he's not a great strategist. But he walks with the Lord and God provides the protection and stability. The text shows us that God caused his enemies to be afraid of him in such a way that they refused to attack him for the majority of his kingship. And then in the second half of verse 5, Judah brought presents and honor to this man. He was a simple, ordinary person, not a king of renown. He simply walked with the extraordinary God, and God honored him. The passage goes on to show us that ordinary people of faith proclaim an extraordinary truth of God. Proclaim it. At this point, you say, well, Jehoshaphat was a king. He's well-known because he's from the house of David. But did you ever notice the story within the story? Sometimes we have this this kind of broader storyline that that preaches or teaches a theme. And then at some point within the story, there are little details that God has captured that in some senses we go, I don't know why that's there. I mean, it's kind of mundane and we want to move on. And those mundane verses all pertain to teaching, the simplicity of teaching. Teaching. And you say, well, I'm not an educator. I'm not an education major. Well, you might be a chaplain of society. Well, I'm not even a chaplain of my society. Then you can teach your friends because the Scriptures call us, every single one of us, to each other. You see a brother overtaken in a fault? Restore him. Reach out to him. And that's going to require some teaching and correction. Every one of us has the opportunity to do that. But did you see what God recorded in the middle of this passage? A list of names These guys are not mentioned prior to this chapter, and they're not mentioned after this chapter. In some senses, you might say, they're nobodies, like, like most of us. They didn't graduate, as it were, first in their class or second or third, or in the top 10, or maybe the top 20 percent of their class. They're not renowned for any other thing, but do you know what God does by capturing them here? The simplicity of the ordinary life of faith and faithfulness, God sets them down in his word, and this word will last forever. There's a day coming when some of us will be walking in heaven or or on the restored earth, and we'll overhear somebody talking, and we'll go, wait, did you say Tabadonijah? Yeah, that's my name. It's so good to meet you. You're like, what? Second Chronicles 17, I remember reading. I've, really? Yeah. Let's connect. What did you teach? What was the rest of the contours of your life like? Well, pretty ordinary. I can't believe God even recorded anything about me. But he did. And God notices the simple people doing simple things if those simple things are done for him. You have the privilege of teaching, so please ex- explain and proclaim the extraordinary truth of God to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Third, the ordinary person of faith experiences the ordinary power of God. Okay? He experiences the ordinary power of God, sometimes in deterring our enemies and sometimes blessing us in a variety of additional unexpected ways. To me, this blessing of the Lord stands out as fascinating, that God can cause an enemy to fear us so much that he doesn't attack us. And like, well, we don't have any power to resist. And God can drive our enemies in front of us, even enemies in a world as dark as ours is, in a culture that is as degraded as it is. And the Lord blesses in unexpected ways. This is not a promise that somehow we're going to have a health and wealth prosperity type gospel. That's why we leave it open ended. The Lord chooses how he's going to bless. But the text captures the point that even the Philistines were under um, Jehoshaphat's control. And the Philistines were almost never under Judah's control. Right after David's time, the Philistines are already in rebellion. And none of the other kings of Judah that we know of brought the Philistines under their control other than Jehoshaphat. But God did that. The Philistines were powerful. They had seaports, fortified cities. And God says... I'm gonna make them afraid of you. And so instead of attacking, they come and they seek peace. And the Lord blesses his people. Jehoshaphat had more than enough. He had enough to build storage facilities because God was blessing him abundantly. So again, there's no way that we can guarantee we will experience material prosperity on this earth, but God will bless you in unexpected ways if you live a simple life of faith. Daniel was faithful. I looked up people in the Bible that are actually called faithful. Daniel, but Daniel's name is renowned. Well, have you heard of Hanani and Hananiah in Nehemiah 7-2? They were called faithful. Or Tychicus in Ephesians six twenty one, or Epaphras in Colossians 1-7, Onesimus in Colossians 4-9. So many people are called faithful, and we don't know anything that they did other than we're faithful. They simply walked with the Lord. Have you ever considered how much your parents do for you, especially mothers? If your mom fixed two meals a day for you before you came to college, have you ever calculated how much that is? It's about 13,140 meals she's made for you. Ordinary faithfulness. If your dad paid $2 for each of those meals, that's a really good deal, by the way. But even if he paid just $2, he's paid over 26000 Well, where did that come from? <laughs> Work. Your mom's probably done about 4,680 loads of laundry for you. And just one of your parents alone has probably worked 34,560 hours for you. And you think, well, that, that's not that, wow. I've never put it in terms like that. My parents are unknown. Nobody on the planet really grasps that they exist. They haven't done anything so significant. And yet they have done faithfulness before the Lord. They have practiced what he has called them to practice. And the Lord rewards. So let me call your attention to the fact that not every one of you will be renowned. But every one of you can be faithful. A simple man, Jehoshaphat, we know very little about his life. But a testimony, even in a passage like this, is simply he walked with an extraordinary God who gave him extraordinary power to teach extraordinary truth, and so can you. Father, we're thankful for the testimony of your word today. We pray that you would bless it to our hearts. We are ordinary people. Most of us will never be known by this world, but if you remember our names, that is enough. And even when we come to the very end of the New Testament, we have the Lamb's Book of Life as a record of memory, that you know every single one of us who is one of your children, and that it is renowned in your eyes, not that we were uh, astonishingly great in this life, but it is required in stewards that we be found faithful before you. Bless us as we go with your strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.